sitting, standing, lights on, lights off. What a, what a crazy night it is, right? Um, well, welcome to Redemption. Um, apologize for the lights. It's out of our, it's out of our control. Um, let's pray. Lord, uh, help us not to be uh, distracted by the circumstances, but uh, help us to seek to know uh, your word uh, even this evening as we uh, think about uh, the advent, the coming of Christ, the birth of Jesus, um, and what that means for us today, and how we should respond to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so the, the world that Jesus was born into is nothing like the world uh, that it will look like for many of us tomorrow. There was no artificial tree decorated with ornaments. There were no beautifully wrapped presents around the tree for kids to excitedly and expectantly uh, wake up to. There wasn't a nice dinner to enjoy. The world that Jesus entered into was broken by sin. And when Jesus shows up, right, on the stage of world history, as, as we heard as, as we're reading these meditations, as we're looking at the gospel accounts of when Jesus came. He arrives and he's cradled in this animal feeding trough. All right, this is the long-expected Jesus, the long-expected king of Israel, and he arrives not in a palace, which is where we would expect a king to arrive. I would expect Buckingham Palace. I would expect uh, all the, the, the maids and servants to be waiting hand and foot Right? serving this King Jesus, and yet we don't find that. We find this king entering a manger where his first experience of what it's like to be human is to smell animals, and we can expect, right? we can bet, I can bet, that the first smell to enter his nostrils was animal manure. Right? Very first thing. Think about that now. I know you probably didn't expect to show up to a Christmas Eve service, right? And to hear about how baby Jesus smelled animal poop. But there you go. And you need to know that. You need to think about that, right? You need to reflect on that. By the way, poop is very ordinary. There's a children's book, Everybody Poops. Have you ever read that? It's a great book. Yeah, see, there are lots of yeses. And aside from that, I have three boys, and, you know, poop is like the talk of the town every night. This is all they know. This is all they like to talk about. So... It's very ordinary. It's an ordinary thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, just, just to say that, uh, that's, what he, that's what he smelled. And we need to know that, right? Because our experience of Christmas, right, with the bells, the whistles, right, the lights, the ornaments, the exchanging of presents, it has a tendency to, to blind us from reality, right? To blind us from the reality of what Jesus did, what he, he came to do, how Jesus how God really works. God doesn't show up. He doesn't work in the, the magnificent and the mighty, but he works in the manger. He works in the low places. He works in the dirty places. I mean, thinking about the animal feeding trough, that imagery. And the Christmas message, it declares that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus came to do. That's why he came. 
This is ultimate glory wrapped in the ordinary. Jesus is the, the best present that we never asked for, the one that we never expected. And so how should we respond to this news? How, sh- how should we respond to the message of ordinary, the message of Christmas? Uh, the passage that I wanted to have us consider tonight is really how the shepherds responded to the birth of Jesus. And I want us to look at their response, and I want that response to kind of guide us and help us navigate how we should respond to the message of Christmas. They responded by beholding the gospel and by believing the gospel. Let's let those two things shape our experience of Christmas. So behold the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Has anyone ever noticed that when angels show up, right, when they, when they appear in the Bible, their very first words to people are what? Wow, everybody knows that. Fear not, right? Have, don't be afraid, right? Like, I'm not here to kill you. Um, I, I can bet, right, if anybody had this experience after the service, you're walking out to the parking lot, and all of a sudden you see an angel, right, you're going to be a little terrified if that happened. I mean, that's just out of the ordinary, right? We don't see angels every day. So that, that's the natural response, right? It doesn't normally happen. It would be intense. So it makes sense that, that an angel should say, right, don't be afraid. It's okay, right? Don't worry. Like, don't fret. Don't be anxious. But there's more to it than that, right? Because uh, angels are messengers from God, right? They represent God. And so when, when God created Adam and Eve, uh, he made them to be without fear, right? To not be afraid. But because of their sin, right, fear became their natural instinct. Fear became part of their relationship with God. They feared their own failure. They feared rejection. Right? They were separated from God. And so fear was part of their experience as part of our experience whenever we encounter something or someone that's holy, right? When an angel appears, that's representing God. And so the God who's perfect and holy, right, the, re- the only response uh, is to be afraid. And so, so the angel says, fear not. You have no reason to fear. Why, right? And then the angel goes on. Because I'm bringing you good news, right? Good tidings of great joy. It's, it's good news that, that puts an end to fear, that expels fear. James says, per- perfect love casts out fear, um, so do not fear. Why? Because if you look at what I'm telling you, right, this angel, you'll never, ever have reason to fear again. It's good news. Listen, if you behold, if you behold the gospel, you'll have no reason to fear God anymore. You'll have no reason to fear what other people think of you, what God thinks of you, or, or winning other people's approval. Uh, the gospel is a life-changing message. And so a person who beholds the gospel is a person who can cast fear out of their life. And so I want to explain what the gospel is. It's good news. The gospel is Christ is born. I mean, that's the the fundamental beginning of the message. Christ is born. If you don't want to be afraid anymore, if you want the fear of rejection to leave you, 
If you want the fear of failure to leave you, then you need to behold Jesus as your Savior. Christ is born. We have every reason to fear God if all that matters is our performance before him. How well is that going, right? How well are you performing? How well are you doing? Uh, if we think about the, the pop culture message of Christmas, right? Are you on Santa's naughty or nice list, right? Were you good this year or were you bad this year? How well did you do? Um, I was thinking about Rudolph, you know, the red-nosed reindeer? Had a very shiny nose. If you ever saw it, yeah. I never saw it. But think of the message, right? Um, Rudolph, he, he meant nothing to the other reindeer. And uh, so he was kind of worthless, meaningless, a good for nothing, you know, outcast. And then all of a sudden, his nose can be put to use, right? There's, there's a purpose, and he contributes to the cause. And then all of the other rain, reindeer used to laugh and call him na names. Now, you know, he's one of the gang, right? He's a good guy. I like that, Rudolph, because he contributed to the cause. Well, what if the message is not what you can contribute, Right? What if I told you that God loves you in spite of yourself? Right? That, that we contributed nothing to the cause. Right? We didn't have the red nose. God himself, we didn't have it. God himself contributed everything to the cause. And, and because of that, right, God loves you unconditionally. Relentlessly. What if God calls you daughter? What if God calls you son? And God tells you to never fear him and never fear anybody because Jesus has been born for you and because Jesus has died for you and because Jesus has been raised for you. And that's a message that can expel fear and cast it out. It's good news. It's news that overcomes our failure and our rejection. And so behold the gospel. That's the first thing that we see the, the shepherds doing. They're, they're beholding the gospel. And then the second thing that I wanted to point out tonight is they believe the gospel. So verse 10, the second part of verse 10 says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so when this messenger, this angel shows up, bringing this message to them, it's not good advice, it's good news. The angel does not say, all right, shepherds, here's what you need to do, all right? In order for this to be really good news, you need to do this, this, and this. And then it's going to be good news and great joy. Right? The birth of Jesus is gospel. Good news. It's an announcement about what has already been done. Uh, to put it differently, you don't have to save yourself. God has already saved you. That's the message. And so it's good news, not good advice. Advice says you need to do something. News says I'm reporting to you. I'm telling you something that happened already. It has been done. It's been accomplished. This is what happened. Right? The war is over. That's news. It's not advice. It's not go win the war. That would be advice. Advice says it's up to you. News says someone else has done it. And so in order to become a Christian, right, we begin by believing a report or the news about what's happened in history. God became a human being to save us from our sins. Christmas is good news because it's not about what we have to do to get up to God, right? But it's a message about what God has done to come down to us and to bring us to him. 
cradled in a manger all the way to the cross to rescue us. I want to keep reading. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord's made known to us. And and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Hey, let's notice, notice how the, the shepherds, how they respond to this news, right? They, be, they begin to share with others the news that they discovered, right? that they had heard, reported, and that they themselves came to believe. They heard from the angels that this happened, right? They were curious. They went and checked it out. They went to see Mary and Joseph. They saw this mangered baby, and they told others the news that was told them. Then we see something interesting. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. It's a curious thing. They wondered. Uh, Maybe on a first reading we just think, oh, everybody was filled with wonder. right? Everybody was just amazed at the baby Jesus. Maybe that was it. I think there's more to it. Because it does not tell us if everyone who wondered believed it themselves. We know the shepherds believed it, that's for sure. We don't know if all the other people whom the shepherds talked to believed this message. Why might that be? It's hard for people to believe a message that comes in such ordinary ways. Shepherds were not famous people. They weren't celebrities, right? They were not incredible people, not important people weren't from Fortune 500 companies. Shepherds in the ancient world were uneducated. They were just normal. Um, They didn't really have a a social standing. And so the shepherds heard the gospel message from the angels, but everybody else heard it from the shepherds, from this unimpressive group of shepherds. I'm standing here, I'm telling you, about this Christmas message on Christmas Eve, and I'm a flawed person, I'm an ordinary guy, I'm no angel, and in a lot of ways, pastors are probably a lot like shepherds. Um, Yeah, it's funny. That's perfect. That's good. Keep it up. Um, Especially in a society that does not care much for religion. And, and when there, there have been so many churches with pastors who've committed some kind of scandal. Um, I agree. We should be laughing. It's, it's laughable. And so the gospel message itself, it might be hard to believe, but how much harder is it to believe because of the messengers who are saying and carrying this message? I think we're pretty much in the same position as these shepherds, right? Except I'm telling you news, and it's from a book that is 2,000 years old instead of from an angel. It's like I'm a shepherd telling you that angels told me good tidings of great joy. Except, got it from a book, and I'm telling you as a pastor. And so, my point is, this is a very ordinary way of telling you news. Super ordinary, nothing magical about it. There's no, nothing grand or great or magnificent about it. And yet, it's wonderful news. 
It's good news. That God has decisively said in his son, through a baby born as a nobody from a nowhere place, I'm bringing you good news. I have saved you. I have done it. Now the question before all of us, before each of us is this. Do I believe it? Do I believe it? And if you don't, I want to ask, is it because you have a problem with the messenger? Not the message itself, but you've had a problem with the messenger. Maybe it's something that happened at church a long time ago. Maybe it's something that you just don't like about church. Maybe it's something you don't like about pastors. Don't let the flawed and sinful messengers get in the way of the message. This is good news. This is a Christmas message of God's love for you, that in Christ, God loves you. I bring you good tidings of great joy. This is peace on earth now and forever. Now and forever, peace on earth. Believe it, receive it, and be changed by that news. Let's pray.